As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazette. This was one of the podcasts that you're going to be glad you listened to. We're going to laugh a lot. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to learn some things as well. And it's going to be real and it's going to be raw. We sat down at our conference that we just had here at Bayside Community Church. It's called the Relate Conference. By the way, you don't want to miss it. Next year's dates, March 2nd and 3rd, 2021. Who doesn't want to be in Florida in March, right? So put that on your calendar. Join us next year. So this year, we brought all the lead pastors in a room together, Dino Rizzo, Envy Vasquez, and myself. We sat down and answered live questions from pastors about what's happening in their life right now and their ministry and their family. And we just answered those questions. It's going to be real. It's going to be raw. It's going to be fun. And I know it'll encourage you. You're going to be blessed today. Uh, we're so excited to be here with Pastor Dino, Pastor Emmy, and Pastor Randy. Uh, we've got a stack of questions from lead pastors from all over the country, and uh, we're going to jump into some really raw and authentic conversation. You guys ready for this? Yes, let's go. All right, we're going to jump into the deep end here. How do you know if you should continue to be a senior leader or go serve another vision? I ask myself that every week. <laughs> How can I get out of this thing, right? He gone, right? Um, I think that the relationships are so important. We, we need to have people in our lives that will tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And, and if we make a decision without that, then we might make the wrong decision because some days I am ready to quit. Some days I think we're taking over the world right? Do you know how the rotation, the revolving door of attendance is, right? You know when they all show up and you're like, oh man, we're going to plant 16 more campuses this year. And, we're, and then the next week nobody shows up, so you're ready to quit. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so your emotions tell you things at different times. So you need to have people around you that you can have real, open, and honest conversations. Uh, you should have a pastor. You should have overseers. People that you have those conversations with, you can tell them what you're processing and what's going on, and they can tell you, that's stupid. Or, hey, let's talk about that a little bit more and find out what the Lord really is saying and what's in your heart, and let's process it and then move on from there. For me, Dino is one of those. He's one of my overseers, one of my best friends. We talk about all kinds of stuff together, and uh, I've made some really dumb decisions that he could have prevented if I would have listened. And he helped me not make some bad decisions because I did listen. You have to have those people in your life. Can I jump in with a follow-up question of that that really goes right off of what you're saying? And it's all about building relationships with overseers. How do you pursue and build those relationships that you're talking about without bothering them and, and trying to be considerate of their busy lives, their demands, their schedules? How did you manage that? Yeah. Well, Emmy, I want, I want you to, to speak to that. I know you're... you're a relationship with your pastor, Jonathan, one of your overseers. And would you talk about that 
and uh, how you pursued that and just how that's, that's morphed and grown. Before I say something about Pastor Jonathan, who was one of my overseers, uh, let me just say that um, the statement is made, the question, the way it's articulated, I hear insecurity in it. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is because you're trying to make a decision for someone who should make the decision for themselves. So oftentimes when you're, when you're leading volunteers, oh, I don't want to ask them, and they're volunteers, they don't get paid. You don't make decisions for your volunteers. You pitch the vision to them and you let them make decisions. And so we got, that's a, it's really a codependent attitude. Um, so whoever you're pursuing, you pursue them and you let them make that decision. So prepare your heart for a no. Legitimate no's help you pursue legitimate yeses. So don't get wounded because someone said no, they're just not the person for the job and God is gonna push you to find somebody who can. Um, in reference to my pastor being on one of my overseers, um, now help me, what, what am I answering here? You, you are answering how do you navigate and build those relationships when they're, they've got a busy life and you don't wanna bother them? Okay, so unlike these guys who have a long history relationally, when you're starting off, depending on who you are, brand new church planter, you're gonna discover really quick whether or not you're actually good at initiating relationships and then maintaining those relationships. And that's gonna reveal more about you than it is about the people you're pursuing. So remember that. That's so it good. It took me, a, I, it was a risk with, with Derek because it was a brand new relationship. He actually embraced me. He stepped into my world before I stepped into his. So we're rolling the dice here. Yeah. He let me speak for him before he even knew me. That was a risk. Um, begin to open up my heart. Because he took the risk, I opened up my heart to allow him a little bit closer. Now remember, in these relationships, your heart might get wounded through misconceptions, misunderstandings, yeah. uh, not communicating, affect all those expectations, undiscussed expe expectations that take What's place. the scripture that says hope deferred, deferred makes, makes the, the heart, heart sick. sick. And yeah. so we put expectations on people, and when that hope is deferred, it makes our heart sick. So you got to have open conversations about that. Because Absolutely. they have an expectation of what they're going to give you. You have an expectation of what you want from them. Right. So you got you to talk about it. Isn't that what you're, Absolutely. you're saying? Absolutely. you got to talk about it. So you got to talk about the roles in the relationship. And the relationship can be very distant if you make it just about rules. It's almost like the relationship with God. It's, it wasn't designed to be another religion. It was designed to be a relationship between you and a heavenly father. Yeah. And so there has to be investment relationally, not just this is what you're signing up for. Um, because when they do need to hold you accountable, there's no relational equity there. So you're not going to feel love through the discipline. Um, so I just opened up my heart, at least from the PDs of the world. Um, but with Pastor Jonathan, we've had previous relationships. Now, I will say this. When I first met Pastor Jonathan, it's another issue that I think is big when you're building these relationships. When I first met Pastor Jonathan, I could be a little aggressive and not no. know, not know boundary lines back in the days. Now, now my awareness levels have went up. I'm not really Jonah, even though I was Jonah before. Um, but I ran in the bathroom. He was hitting the urinal. I'm like, yo, what's up, Pastor Jay? I really like what you got going on here. And really what I was, was this lost child who became a pastor and was, I was a little assertive in the relationship. And Pastor Jonathan, in his wisdom and maturity, immediately put up a boundary. Say, hey, young man, where do you go to church? Oh, you go to that church? 
won't you seek leadership over there and build a relationship? Maybe you can find what you need there because he, he was real cautious about crossing lines because wisdom. he didn't really know me. It was wisdom, way beyond my years. Mm -hmm. um, but nonetheless, when you have that, that fatherless hole, uh, sometimes you don't hear appropriately and you keep pursuing because you, you, you're seeing something else in the relationship that he may not necessarily is called to be at that time, even though you're still pursuing it. Over a period of time, the relationship was built. Over a period of time, I allowed him permission into my life and also permission to challenge, to discipline, to correct, and things of that nature. So two years into the launch of the church, when I dealt with the burnout, um, and then I started tripping, they came into the office, and when they said, hey, we're going to go get you some help because of all the trauma that you came from, um, I was ready. And I just opened up my world and opened up my life and me and my wife and, and what was really in my aspect, I had to let them in to hold me accountable. And I did. And I will say because of the permission based relationship and giving yeah. them that space to enter in, um, it had become a painfully beautiful experience that was necessary that now changed my worldview and my lens on how I lead because of that. So hopefully that helped. That's with that. good. No, That's that good. definitely helped. Pastor Dino, can you real quick speak to the flip side of that as an overseer? Um, the, the, that it's uh, the question that, that, you know, there's a concern of not wanting to bother somebody or, or that sort of thing. Can you speak a little bit to that as, as well, an overseer? What Amy said is true is you, you can't project your, in, don't project on me, my schedule. Don't project on me what I, I count as valuable. So it's nothing wrong with asking. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think everybody needs um, a couple things. You need, if, I, if I'm planning a church, I need about three overseers. If I'm, if I'm an existing church, you need five. Maybe seven is a lot. That is Most a lot. people land in the three to five. Mm -hmm. You know, and I tell guys all the time, we, we get asked this question. Overseers look a little different when you're running 50 as to when you're running 1,000. It, it morphs a little. No, I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just like your bylaws. The bylaws you start with should look a little different when you all of a sudden have two campuses and so a couple people. You better own it yourself. So I tell guys to start off with, you need a great friend, a great friend as an overseer, someone you could go 100% with that is not, uh, you've given them permission to speak into your life. They're not impressed with you. And it goes back and forth. So Randy is someone that can speak into my life. We can have honest conversation. It's a back and forth relationship. You need somebody with gray hair. You better have somebody been through some stuff that, ha that have a stomach for the struggle. Mm. You better have some, you better have a grown, you better have somebody grown. Up somebody on grown. You better have somebody grown, been through some stuff. I, I get worried with uh, sometimes these church planners and their overseers are all under 30. Yeah. Uh, no hate on under 30, but, man, they haven't even had live fire yet. They may see blood and faint. Mm. I mean, we, we can't be passing out when, when it goes from a natural birth to a C-section. Stay with me. Mm, and so stay with <laughs> Keep me. Keep breathing. Yeah, and, so, yeah. and then the third one. scary thing. <laughs> here's the third one. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm starting a church, I need somebody that has a Galatians 6-1 gift. And not everybody has a Galatians 6-1 gift. Mm -hmm. Just because they're a good pastor, good leader, doesn't mean they understand restoration. Now, if I'm going to five, I want somebody who understands money. Lawyers. 
bankers, uh, 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 lawsuits. And then if I'm going to a fifth one, I'm probably getting another friend or an older brother who's in my life. So I kind of look, I don't think you need five of the same or three of the same. I think wisdom says, and then in those things, I think they have, I think you let them know what their role is. Yep. So it, for me as an overseer, I tell people all the time, what do you want me as? So a few guys consider me their pastor. Well, if I'm your pastor, I don't know if I need to be your overseer. I can. Right. Do you want me as your uncle? Yeah. That means I could be on your compensation board because the uncle hook you up with a $100 bill. <laughs> you be my uncle? Okay, okay yeah, I'll be uncle. <laughs> so I'm your uncle. I call him Uncle Dino. And I don't know if you want me as an overseer. So I'm an overseer of about 14 churches. Wow. I am a, I'm on the compensation group of 40 churches because I understand compensation. I'm in the world of compensation. I know what everybody's making. I know what a thousand people versus how many people are there, that part of the country, what their income is. I can give you a legit range. I can give you data. I can connect you with a lawyer that will give you a salary compensation study. FYI, that the IRS has never in the history of the world ever brought to court, ever but yet we pay $7,000 for them, but no one's ever tried it. It's never been litigated, but it's safe to have. Lasts about three to five, probably three to five years. Mm-hmm. Depends on if you've had high growth. So you want to have people that are better at certain things. Yeah, absolutely. So John Siebling is in my He's an overseer in my life. He handles me and my family. Chris Hodges is my pastor. He handles my schedule, my spiritual life, watches me. Uh, Stovall Weems is there as a friend. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple buddies like a Randy, a Rick, a Greg Surratt that are just there peripheral. It's good. Just in case I need to pull the emergency alarm and call them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I it's break good. it up in my mind. Wanna, Where do you need me most? Add, I want to add to that because what you touched on is very important. And you you like, how do I pursue people that I want them to be overseers? So... Let me speak to that. A couple of thoughts. First of all, I think you should pursue people that have diversity, like you say, Dino, so they can bring different things to the table. But look at people who have, or maybe they're at a station or a season of life or something, and you like, I want to pursue them because I need to learn how do I manage my family like them? Or how do I grow the church like them? Or whatever that you might find them to be good at. Then uh, when you pursue them, you need to realize that not all of them can be your overseer because there's a legal side to being an overseer that a lot of people ask me to do a lot of that. Will you be my overseer? And I'm like, I can't. I can be your friend. I can be your uncle. I can be your cousin. I can be a big brother. I could could be your pastor, but I can't be an overseer because legally if something goes wrong with the church, I got to step in and I still have a church to pastor. So I can't be overseer for 14 churches because if one of them goes wrong and I've had friends that have had this happen and I've had to do this for people like your church takes a back seat because this thing is about to fall apart. Well, like, what if I have two of those happen in the same time? So my overseers or, or my my board in the church has limited how many churches I can be overseers. So don't feel like it's rejection. They may not be able to be an overseer, but they can be your uncle, your big brother, your pastor, your friend. And that's important to realize because not everybody can be your overseer. You know, I was going to say, I've, I've, I'm on four of the overseers I'm doing. I'm doing for one year because it's an emergency. 
I said, I'll do one year because I'm, I'm good in a, I'm good in a, a battle fight. I'm good when we're, when, we're, when, the, when the bullets are flying. Let me get in there then. It's going to settle down and you need somebody else. I don't have the time, but I, I'll do, I'll sometimes do crisis overseer for, I'm doing it right now for a situation that's a crisis and I'm serving one year. And then um, I'm, I just got off of one that I did for one year because they were transitioning uh, leadership anyway. That's good. That's good, pastors. All right, I'm, I'm going to switch to kind of a different, different topic, but very, um, very practical. Um, but it's more the personal life, personal side of pastoring. And uh, there's a couple questions that kind of fall into this, but I'm going to kick it off with uh, what does your just weekly schedule look like? Like, what do you do? Drink coffee, read the Bible, <laughs> play golf. Try to answer that. Huh? Answer it. So, Can we turn uh, down the AC? I feel like I need thermals up here right now. You cold? Freezing. Randy going to run that AC. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, Random. bro. You, we'll go to Central Mass, and you can put it on whatever temperature you because, want. No, never mind. But in, it's, this is how we roll down here in Florida. We, we keep it cold. Answer the question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me hold you. No, we're no, good. All we're right. Good. Okay. Okay. Oh. So, um, so my weekly schedule, I'm off on Mondays. Uh, Tuesday, we do meetings. That's my all staff meeting times. Uh, my, my trustees meeting I would have on a Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday, we start with prayer. And then that's a study day. Uh, so I'll, I'll prepare for the weekend. But then I'll throw a meeting in there as well. I'm good for about three to four hours at a time. And then I need a break. I got to get out of my office or I'm going I'm to go crazy. All right. I'm in my office in my house where I do my sermon prep. Then I'll have some meetings or some phone conference calls or things like that. Come to the office, have a couple of meetings, maybe lunch, go back. I got another three or four hours. And then that's, that's all I can handle on a, on a study day. All right. The next day on Thursday, that's where I finish the message and do the same thing. I'll have some meetings thrown in there as well to break it up. And then Friday is my day with people in the church. I spend my day uh, typically with high-capacity givers on Friday where I'm pastoring them, investing in them, building relationship with them uh, because the more I am invested in relationship with them, the more they're invested in the vision of the church. I hope you heard that. Yeah, so good. The more that I'm invested in relationship with them, the more they'll be invested in the vision of the church. And then I preach. so good, Randy. Well, thank you. If there's anything you hear... At Relate Conference 2020, so good. It's that statement. It's worth the trip. Mm -hmm. And then That's I preach Saturday important. and Sunday. We have services on Saturday and Sunday, and so uh, that's a that's full on for me. So, how about you? I'm, I'm make some adjustments after hearing that too, which are Friday. Well, I actually my days off on Friday. Uh, we we try to focus on two days off. I resist the urge and I think I learned this from maybe Hollins or something not doing any services on Saturday mm -hmm. um, but Friday and Saturday is our days off and my wife is adamant about making sure we have personal time I have a major blind spot with that I'll see I'm like the squirrel guy like real real uh, my, my, my assistant will give me a list of things that I know that are coming up and down the pipeline and then I will I'm one of, I'm not lying to you like it's just I'm I'm my biggest enemy and so in the process of having my agenda, uh, I'll be recruiting at Starbucks somewhere and I'll stop at the mall and try to get this dude to come to church. And then I've wasted four or five hours, but I did bring four or five people to the church. But then things didn't get done because I'm like, oh, my God, I got this. So I try not to counsel too much. Um, and I don't say this arrogantly. I'm really good at it, but it's so draining. 
um, for me. Um, but um, it's, it's definitely easy to do. And so I, me, I coordinate with me, my wife, and my uh, assistant. Um, and they kind of help me lay it all out because I don't got it all together. And so, yeah, preach on the weekends just on Sunday right now. And that's all I got for you. Like, I, I'm not where you are, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Word the big bird. Yeah. That's good. That's practical. Let's bring it in into the home a little bit more. There's a couple questions about, you know, how do you, do you take work, uh, ministry work into your marriage with your kids? How do you pastor your kids, do devotionals with your kids, not take away time with your wife? Uh, what are some maybe protections or some disciplines that you guys have learned? Maybe you've gotten it wrong. Now you've gotten it right. Mm -hmm. um, that are just real practical to make sure that your family stays healthy. I'll give a a thought, then I'll let these guys give. Randy's a, a great dad, and so is Amy. You can see their children here. They have amazing kids. I mean, uh, incredible kids. So does Emmy. But um, yeah, I've never been good at family devos, but we we do we we do family meetings, and 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 they're not high pressure meetings, but that's worked for us. A family meeting, uh, yeah. we do a little prep beforehand. Just hey guys, we're going to be meeting on Thursday. My kids are grown now, so I've got a 20, oh goodness, a 25, 6-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 20-year-old. So they're, one's married, one's just moved back in our home, and then one is at Bama. So we're not together a ton, but that, that's work for us. Uh, everybody knows, and you got, you got to be careful how you, what you communicate to your kids and this and that. And I, I think there are times, though, that um, my son said something to me years ago. He said, you're a lot, you parent me better than you pastor me. He said, I'd rather you be my parent than my pastor. And it was like, oh, okay, that, that probably says volumes. Because I've been trying to pastor him when I probably need to be parenting him. That's really good. So it kind of it helped me to realize what my lane needed to be. Mm -hmm. And then what maybe I, what, what my lane didn't need to be. Yeah. And that was just, that's just a thought. Uh, my kids are old enough now, have a 23, 17, we're about to be 17, and then uh, he's, she's going to be 14. Um, they're getting older now where, because of the work that I've done before, I've kind of created a culture where I try to give them a voice to be heard as opposed to as a parent just telling you what to do. And yeah. um, So giving them a voice to share their thoughts about certain things, and um, we haven't perfected it, but I definitely like to hear from them so that I create margin for them. Um, sometimes they're in this independent stage in their lives where they want to run and I don't want to rob them from some of the things that they're engaging in, but definitely trying to hear their heart. Um, and I just, just recently, I was working on a message and obviously the statistic that's out there for, you've guys probably heard this in your sphere of influence, according to sociologists, you are uh, reaching about 12 people. Um, in one week, you're, you're being exposed to them for at least an hour, 12 people, seeing them at least an hour. Well, the stat is for dads in, in our sphere of influence, our kids are getting roughly around 49 minutes a week. So that's about seven minutes a day. So most people in our sphere of influence are not really our family. Um, so that kind of checked me mm -hmm. and kind of made some date nights take place or date days and breakfast times. And um, it's just been good. So. My wife is adamant about making sure that we value the days off. Once again, I come from a burnout season that was experienced around two and a half years in. 
So my boundaries have changed. My awareness levels have changed. Um, I listen to my body a lot uh, to determine if I can't um, sense what's going on. Am I fatigued? Am I tired? What do I need to create? And so just invest in that. So we do a pretty good job during the season, humble, yeah, to make sure that we kind of balance all that and invest time with each other. So uh, one of the things that we did to help with our kids was to ask them, let them be involved in sharing uh, adjustments we need to make. So one of the things we did a lot of times was ask them, what do you like about being a kid in ministry? And what do you not like? What do you wish was different about our family dynamics? And it allowed them to voice concerns and so we could make adjustments in how we were parenting them. That allowed us to not live blindly thinking, oh, this is okay, or we need to fix that, and maybe that wasn't an issue for them. That literally gave us a lot of wisdom to make adjustments along the way. Uh, Date nights or uh, time with Amy super important. And for me, I live by my calendar. If it's on my calendar, then it's like gospel, right? So uh, our date nights were on there. And sometimes we didn't have money for date nights. So we just put the kids to bed and watch a movie, you know, in our our bedroom together. Or uh, we could afford a babysitter. We'd go to the beach and watch the sunset, you know, kind of a thing. So uh, you can't always, well, we can't afford to do that. Those are kind of some of the things we did. And then Monday is my day also. Amy and I call it Monday Fun Day. So we just hang out together on, on Mondays. And uh, so those are some of the dynamics we've had to try to balance that. But I can just tell you this, that I've learned it isn't always clear. It's not very concise. It's hard sometimes blending those things together. So I think that's what you should do is blend them together I know, where does my relationship with God start? Where does it end? When does, where does my marriage start and where does it end? When, where does my parenting begin and where does it end? Where does my ministry at the church begin and end? I don't have a clue. Because even when I'm not with my kids, I'm still their parent. And even when I'm not at the church, I'm still the pastor. So what I say is to try to take the threefold cord of my relationship with God, my family, and ministry and weave them all together because the word of God says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. Yeah. So, uh, so that in long, along with discussions with my kids and my marriage and uh, making sure that those things are not out of balance. Yeah. That's so good. And I've, you know, Jordan and I have seen you and Amy do this firsthand really closely. And um, it is just such for people that have younger kids and to see your kids where they are now and um, the seasons that they've walked through and out of, uh, it, is, it is an inspiration to see how you've lived, dedicated your life to ministry, but your family has never sacrificed. Um, so, yeah. good job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the jury's still out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We're waiting still. See, they're not all grown and serving <laughs> the Lord in ministry or whatever their calling is yet. But. <laughs> Well, I, I want to close us with um, this question, and it, I'm going to kind of want to segue it this way because it's really a question about legacy, not necessarily family legacy, but church legacy. And uh, the question comes really from the idea of, you know, what's, what do I, like, what's the if I die tomorrow plan? Um, but, you know, keeping your church going and keeping multi-site going beyond you as a senior pastor uh, whether it was something like that or you, you just you retire or move to a new season. Um, let's close this topic just talking about legacy and, and planning for that. What are some thoughts? 
I'll start because I can get to it quick. I've had the privilege of dying once. So I left the church that I planted for 20 years. Went, to a, went into a bad season, resigned, stepped down. Um, and here's what I realized. They go on without you in about 15 minutes. And so it's about a 15-minute window of grief. So when you think you're a big deal? You're, so as, and a lot of you guys are super important. You're huge. You're massive. People are, I know you think they're living on every breath. They cannot live without you. But uh, in about 15 minutes of you dying, resigning, stepping down, they're figuring out, do we want a three-piece or a 12-piece? <laughs> when is soccer? Did we get the washer fix? Who's picking up milk tomorrow? So that's the, I was a big deal in Baton Rouge. I'd gotten way bigger in Bethany. Way bigger in Bethany. Okay? They forgot me in a day. Okay? They will forget you in a day. But here's the deal. That's okay. It wasn't about you anyway. There we go. It's good. It was, it was about Jesus. I think so. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> but here's the deal. Don't die for people that are going to forgive you. Give your best to the people who bear your last name who will not forget you. Wow. So that's number one. Number two is this right here is I think you, I think you start changing from legacy. It is a place, but it's really more a people. So thank God for the, this is, this is a part of Randy Bezet's legacy. It's this place. But all of a sudden you start getting older and you're pastoring pastors and you're influencing nations. All of a sudden you start realizing, I think I want my legacy to be people. And I want it, I want it to be here. I want it to be this place. But let me, let me ask you this. How many hundred-year-old churches are we talking about and studying today? Not many. Okay. We're learning from people. But there ain't a lot of hundred-year-old churches that are at the forefront of the conversation. Great point. So, so here's the deal. It, it, don't, it doesn't last that long. It, it kind of, the sun will set. So I would only encourage you to remember it's all about, your legacy is all about Jesus. And then it's people. It's people. You know. So that's my thought. Uh, it couldn't be said any better. Dino, that's, that's powerful. Make your life about people. Uh, I will say that in, in ministry, I am thinking about it the older I get. You know, what am I going to do next? And there's a whole bunch of super mega churches and churches in America in general. I think it's about to be the largest number of churches in the history of America where pastors are going to be aging out and what's going to happen to those churches. And uh, so I can tell you, I don't know exactly how it's going to be handled, uh, but I'm starting to work on it. Now, for me, uh, I feel like that, I'm, I'm going to work to begin to identify who I think that is and turn it over to someone. But what I'm going to do in that is to develop every campus like it's its own church. Yeah, it's good. So if there isn't a person that may has enough shoulders to carry right all of that, that I can just turn all the churches over to individual churches, and then I just take this one campus that I'm at and turn that over to someone wow. as well. And uh, in other words, there's all kind of ways to slice this thing up. But the more you can start to diverse your ministry, in other words, would you start Good. preaching a little Good. bit less now? Because your church 
is not as big a deal on you as you think it is, all right? And so just start slowly turning things off and letting other people preach. And if they're better than you, praise God. Because it isn't really about you. And the more that can happen, the easier it is for you to go do the next thing and make your next thing about, about people. That's, that's really In the so early good. years, that sub 10, probably your amount in the pulpit matters a lot. When you start getting into the 8 years, 10 years, 12 years, I don't think anybody is leaving your church because you preach 40 or 32. I don't think anybody's leaving. Because remember, they're not there every week anyway. They don't know how many times you've preached a year. So they're there maybe a 24, 26, 28 Sundays. So they're not real sure how many you've preached. So whether you preach 46 or 40 or 32, you know, I don't think is the main factor. It's your leadership. I have slowly turned that thing off. And uh, let's see. I think I'm going to preach about 28, 30 times this year. Uh, or is what I preached last year, and no one has said anything. No one's like, why is Randy preaching less? They don't know. I'm just slowly turning it off all the time. They, they really don't know. And it Multiple actually helps services. your church. It makes your, your yeah. church healthier. That's what most guys are doing when they, they're getting into their 50s. I'm realizing everybody's 28, 30, 32. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there in the 50s, they start making that transition, and, mm-hmm. and, and multiple services mean a lot to that. So. That's so good. Well, I hope this conversation has been helpful. We're going to wrap for today. But uh, can you guys help me? And let's thank Pastor Dino, Pastor Emmy, Pastor Randy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.